Welcome to the Mum Safe Movement podcast. I'm your host, Jen Dugard. I'm so excited that you're here and now part of this very important movement for change in the way mums are looked after in the fitness industry. In 2020, 4.35 million women used our gyms and fitness facilities in comparison to 3.5 million men. Further to this, in 2016, the ABS reported that 77% of women over the age of 15 in Australia would become mothers. This is 3.35 million mothers or 42.7% of a personal trainer's potential clientele. Yet our fitness certificates don't teach us enough and mums themselves receive very little, if any, education about how to move safely and effectively. I am here to change that. This podcast is an accumulation of over 16 years in the fitness industry, a decade working face-to-face with mums themselves and teaching thousands of trainers in my Safe Return to Exercise certification. And most recently, bringing mums and trainers together around the MumSafe brand. This podcast is the next step into raising our voices and bringing mums and the trainers that work with them into the arena to achieve our mission of safe and effective exercise for women at every stage of motherhood. Let's dive in. Welcome to this week's episode of the Mum Safe Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Dugard, and today I'd like to introduce you to a very special human, Magdalena Hawley. Now, Magdalena was what I have coined the very first Mum Safe trainer. So Mags and I met many years ago when she answered an ad to potentially become a Body Beyond Baby licensee. Now we spent some time getting to know each other and at that very last meeting where she was going to say yes or no, she said no. So I was pretty disappointed at the time, but when I look back, she said to me, Jen, I want to know what you know and I want to do what you do but I want to make my own thing. And that really has shaped everything that you can now see in the MumSafe brand. So Magdalena is a women's health and fitness coach and mum to two beautiful children. She's been in the fitness industry for over 20 years, in which time she's worked with clients in Poland, the UK and Australia. Through her online coaching, she now supports women across the world to be stronger, healthier and more confident in their everyday lives. She also delivers face-to-face training to women in a studio environment on the North Shore of Sydney. We went all over the place in this conversation and I really hope that you enjoy traveling Mags' journey with a bit of my journey weaved into there and hearing what it's taken from a personal level and a professional level to get her to where she is today and still be working with us inside of MumSafe. Enjoy this episode. Hey Mags, welcome to the Mum Safe Movement Podcast. How are you? Hi, I'm very nervous. Thank you for having me. <laughs> nervous and excited. Nervous excited. I love yes. it. Yes. Nice work. Cool. <laughs> I'm excited that you're joining us today as what we've coined as the very first Mum Safe trainer. Not that you knew that at the time. Um, so I'm super excited to bring this conversation to everyone that's listening, both trainers that work with mums and also mums themselves. Yes, very excited and very happy to have that name, that title. Cool. 
Cool, cool, cool. Um, okay, so let me kick off with the way that we've started to kick off with all of our guests, and I'd love for you to share with me a word that tells us, the audience, how you're showing up today, and the caveat that if it's been a shit fight of a morning, it does not have to be a positive word, um, then a win, and then also something that you're working on. Um, never sighted, so yeah, I'm excited and nervous. My morning actually was pretty smooth today, so kids, kids behave, so had a great morning with clients, so still excited, still positive. Um, then my win for this week, I so last year I injured my shoulder, and while I injured my shoulder, I was actually working on pull-ups, chin-ups, and for a very long time my upper body was very restricted. And this week I did five unassisted chin-ups, so that's my win. Amazing. I did see that on Instagram, I have to say, and I can relate. I had a rotator cuff injury and I'm not back to the five pull-ups, but I can mm. now hang on a bar. So that's, <laughs> and what are you working on? I'm working on, so I'm doing, and then moment I'm doing nutrition course. I'm a new, I'm going to be, I'm a new qualified nutritionist in September. Amazing. How long, how long have you been doing that for? Uh, so the course is 13 months. So I've got three to go. So 10. That's yeah, a good right. <laughs> And it's all online? Yeah, it's all online. How do you find online learning? Oh, it's convenient, but you have to be very motivated. And being a mom and, you know, working at the gym, being a mom, wanting to spend time with friends, running online business as well, it's, you know, it's, it's not easy. Yeah, I'm one of those people that signs up for shit and doesn't do it unless I've got to turn up for it, which... It's one of the reasons I've resisted putting Safe Return to Exercise fully online, but mm -hmm. there is a, there are a few calls out for that, so maybe we'll do that. Well done for committing to that. It's massive. Yeah, and yeah. I've been pretty good. I'm, like, on time with everything, so I just need to find time to revise now for the exam. Yeah, so. I think that being on time for everything, and if you can make that your non-negotiable to, mm. to not be late, yeah. then you've got to keep ticking over, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And even if I just watch the webinar and do the quizzes, because we have after each lecture, there's a quiz. Mm -hmm. If I can just do that, I'm like, at least it's done. I can revise later. Yeah, yeah. good work. Nice work. So, yeah. um, so tell me or tell us who you are. Like, tell us, tell us your story. So tell me how you got to where you are today. Like, or how, what got you into working with mums? That's probably a better one because the other one could take us like three hours mm. and I've got lots of questions around that. But what got you first into the fitness industry and then into working with mums? How long we've got? Um, it is a long story, yeah. I try to, I try to make it short. So I've been in fitness industry for a very long time. I got into fitness when I was in uni teaching, um, you know, exercise to music classes. So that was only like five years ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that was when I did my exercise to music course, I think it was two, no, that wasn't 2003 or even not mm -hmm. 2000. Ooh, 20 years. There you go. 23 years. Yeah. Um, and I got into fitness industry because, well, I hated my body and I wanted to become smaller, you know? Uh -huh. Okay. And when I started doing exercise classes, I actually did enjoy it. Um, I was a little bit obsessed and my brother told me, why you won't just do, you know, aerobic course. And that's 
how I started. I did my exercise to music and I started teaching classes. Um, then I moved to England when I also work as a fitness instructor. I actually run fitness studios in um, uh, LA Fitness. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we moved to Australia when I wanted to become personal trainer because like for my husband is a chef. It's like in, in England, people go to the gym very late. So it's like, it's a great idea. Um, not in Australia, because in Australia, people like to wake up at 5 a.m. and go to the gym. So yeah. uh, we work totally opposite hours. Um, so I, didn't, I did my course, but I didn't last as a trainer for long. And I just went back to teaching classes. Mm -hmm. And then when I had my son, um, my first child. So in 2013, I had my son, my first bab. And I got into, you know, I got my pre-baby body back quite quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and there were stuff which I did quite sensibly, actually. I, my nutrition, I didn't restrict myself. It was actually first time when I thought, oh, this is time when I can kind of restart, like kick off, like do like a kickstart. So I'm not restricting myself too much. Um, and I train like three, four times a week. And I focus more on resistance training. And I got my pre-baby body back very, very quickly. I was like, this is what I want to do. Work with moms, show them, you know, you can train smarter, not harder. Um, but I was like, but there's something I'm like, but how am I different from any other trainer? How am I different from any other trainer? And then one and a half years later, <laughs> I found out how different I am from other trainers. Um, so when I was 18 months post birth, I found out that I've got prolapse, pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, okay. And did not, even though I, I, when I was pregnant with Liam or maybe just after birth, I did short pre and postnatal course online, um, yep. which mentioned nothing about prolapse, nothing about women's health. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I actually, when I found out about my prolapse, I went to the, um, to the manual because I wanted to see if they mentioned anything and I just missed it back then. Uh, there was a mention at the last page that when you were working with new moms, you have to be careful because they suffer from incontinence and prolapse. That's it. So that no. was so you did a course specifically in postnatal. Pre postnatal, yeah. And then that was the only line in the course about On the last pelvic page. floor and prolapse. Yeah. We won't name that course. No. <laughs> but also, how cool that it there was a course. Yeah, let's just say awesome that there was a course and we've, you know, obviously developed since 2013, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. So the course was, yep. just, just, let's just loop back just because in case anyone's listening and doesn't know what a prolapse is, Max, do you want to tell us what a prolapse is? And then we can go back into your story. Yeah. So pelvic, uh, pelvic organ prolapse is when basically you pelvic um, floor muscles not strong enough to hold your pelvic floor organs. So your bowel, your bladder, um, and your uterus. Uterus, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so then your pelvic floor organs might not be strong enough. They're going to stretch, and you, they're div different degrees of prolapse. Um, mm -hmm. And they might be, you have my, my, mild prolapse, which you might not even have symptoms. And most women actually probably have one degree prolapse stress per breath, but because they pelvic floor organs are strong enough, they can just go back to their normal position when they rest. However, yeah. if you do stuff you shouldn't be doing, your pelvic floor and or you before, if your pelvic floor muscles are not strong enough, 
they're not going to be strong enough to hold the pelvic floor organs and the pelvic floor organs can drop and even can come out of your vagina if it's really, really bad. Okay, so you found out that you had a prolapse yes. at eight, 18 months postpartum. At 18 months postpartum. And then when I've researched more and actually find out what symptoms of prolapse are, mm-hmm. I realized that I had symptoms of prolapse very early post-birth, but oh, no wow. one asked me any questions. What were those symptoms, Mads? Heaviness. Heaviness. Okay. And what so, does that feel like? Because everyone talks about heaviness, but can you explain it any more than that? Or is it just a weird thing that you can't uh, explain? You, you would, if, if you're feeling heaviness, you know, it's just like a weird, weird feeling. So, for instance, um, I would go for a walk very early with when I had my son. It was nice and sunny in September, uh, mm-hmm. and I wanted to go for a walk. So the walk, for instance, we live in Lenkov. Walk to the Lenkov village was 10 minutes and then 10 minutes back. By the time I would go to actually Lenko Village, I would kind of feel really, really tired in my pelvic floor and the pelvis, everything would just feel tired. And I've, I just thought, you know, it's normal, my, I'm recovering from birth. So that's just normal. And I had to go back and just, just rest. Uh, but mm-hmm. if someone actually asked me, even my midwife or, you know, when I went to GP to have a check, if someone asked me, you know, how your pelvic floor feels, how, you know, is, is there any heaviness? Then I would be like, oh, maybe. But no one asked that question. Okay. So you, in hindsight, knew that you had the symptoms early postpartum, yeah. but you didn't find out. How did you find out at 18 months postpartum that you even had a prolapse? I did. So I did um, cardio class, 45 minutes of jumping, and I ended up with the wet crotch. Now, when that okay. first happened, I actually, I took a photo of that. I was like, look how much, I sent it to a friend of mine, look how much I sweat, how good was that class, oh, so gosh. much sweat. <laughs> but then in the back of my head, I actually oh. knew this is not sweat. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I realized, look, I'm a trainer. I can't, th- this is what I love. I love exercise. Like, this is not normal. Wetting myself after jumping, it's not normal. I even didn't know where to go. So I went to Dr. Google. Where, where, where do you go? <laughs> And that's when I learned about women's health physio. Okay. So you've leaked, wet yourself, whatever it is yeah. when you're doing this. And had you been doing high intensity classes that whole 18 months? What did your training look like until that point? So not to that extreme. Um, okay. I did probably leak before, but it wasn't that much. It would be, you know, you leak after you had a baby. It's normal, isn't it? Um, yeah. so my training focused more on a strength training. Yes. I did a little bit of high intensity, like for instance, two weeks before birth, I was in my park doing, you know, shuttle runs because bodyweight exercises weren't enough. So there, there was high intensity element, but it wasn't like 45 minutes of jumping, for instance, like that class. Okay. Was. And were you a runner? Did you run during that uh, period? No, I wasn't. I'm not a runner. Okay. Run so this much. is just... This is really interesting to me because, I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there that think that if you're just doing squats and strength training in the gym, you're not jumping, then mm-hmm. you should be okay. No. But clearly, <laughs> clearly you weren't. Okay, carry on. So 18 months, now you found a physio, you discover you've got a prolapse, then what? Um, so yeah, so even when I went to Miss Halfizia, I thought she's just going to say, you know, you've got, you've had a baby, it's normal. She's going to give me pelvic floor exercises and that's it. And, um, when she asked me, she first, she told me I've got, she suspects prolapse even before she did an internal checkup. And I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, and she's like, have you heard about it? I was like, 
Um, kind of. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Not much. Well, you kind of. Um, yeah. So yeah, and from then I was just like. This is not right. I, I train with a trainer in a gym who never asked me any questions. Mm. So then when I, when I found out about pull-ups, I thought, well, I wanted to work with moms. And this is the missing link. This is why I'm different than other trainers because, you know, I've got prolapse and I wanted to educate other moms and help them to avoid the issues I had and the mistakes I've, I've made. Um, and I had amazing uh, women's health physio, Hiba Shahid. Uh, the, some people can find, might know her as a, the pelvic expert. And mm-hmm. she recommended me. She was very supportive. She was really excited. Um, <laughs> what was she excited about? She was excited that I want to work with women. And ah, she knew that there awesome. are the trainers. So the first visit, obviously, I just find out I've got prolapse. And the second visit, I started asking questions. I told her what I've got in my head and that, you know, this is something I want to learn about more and I want to help other women um, to, to educate themselves. Um, so she was really supportive. She recommended courses to do. So she recommended me to do a Jenny Barrow course. Mm-hmm. And that was the first course I did. Um, and yeah, I was every physio visit. I was so excited to, <laughs> to be able to ask questions. <laughs> I love it. I love that. I don't love that you had a prolapse, have a yeah. prolapse. I love that you have turned it around into something amazing in working with mums and supporting them. Yeah, no, I um, I think it's a blessing in disguise because I'm also very lucky because I know there are women who have, you know, much worse prolapses that I have, they who have symptoms all the time, and that's when you cannot stop thinking about it. And I'm very lucky in a regard that I've got still stage two prolapse, but I'm able to deadlift more than my body weight. I'm able to do chin ups after I had my son, yeah, after I was doing kickboxing classes. So I'm really lucky that I can do stuff I can do. But I think the pull-ups, in my case, it is a little bit of a blessing. Because if I, for instance, after I had Liam, if I just decided I wanted to work with moms and help them to get their pre-body baby back without actually having pull-ups and have that knowledge I have right now, that would look a bit differently. You're one of those. Me. You're one of those trainers that's like, I can get my body back. Therefore, you can get your body back. You just do this, this, and this. <laughs> that's I, you was, a prolapse, I was right? one of those trainers. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Although I probably wasn't very far off it until I found Joe without the prolapse. Like I'm lucky that I I did not have a postpartum prolapse. Um, okay, so if you, I just want to pause. If you were talking now directly to a mum that had some Mm -hmm. symptoms of prolapse what would you say to her go see women's health physio first thing any any mum post birth should go see women's health physio i any pregnant Mm -hmm. woman actually should go see women's health physio if you see women health physio in pregnancy and you know that you have any pelvic floor issues you can have a tight pelvic floor which is going to impact how you know how you be birth um if you know about any pelvic floor issues while you're pregnant, that can really save the issues for later. You can start working on your pelvic floor. You can start on relaxing your pelvic floor. Um, so definitely go and see women's health physio. Many moms feel ashamed because they leak, because they have, and they're ashamed to talk about it. But 
it is normal part of mother motherhood and more we talk about it more normal it's going to be absolutely is it scary seeing a women's health physio um, for you well, I loved seeing my women's health physio. Yeah, I know, but like, <laughs> I remember the first time I got an internal with Joe, which was kind of weird, because and I, I did it a little bit backwards, and I'll own this now. Like, I was sending people to see a physio before I'd had an internal myself because I didn't have any pelvic floor. Mm. I did, you know, that's, and I reflect on me saying that now. It's like, Jen, you know that you can have pelvic floor stuff without knowing that you have pelvic floor yeah. stuff, so that's just a whole lot of bullshit. Anyway, I knew Joe jo quite well by the time that she had it. She was you know, chatting to me with her fingers inside me, which is a completely surreal situation. Like I've had dinner with this woman sitting over the table, <laughs> drinking a glass of wine, and now here we are. Um, but I think it's important for, yeah, what was your experience before it was exciting? Can you remember that? Uh, look, uh, as a, um, when I was a teenager, I had um, issues with my cycle so I was seeing kind of gynecologists on a regular basis so I was mm -hmm. used to opening my legs in front of gynecologists and being checked out so um, I think okay. I was quite used to it but I know that there are someone that can have a trauma as well and even if you had traumatic birth actually doing it and allowing someone to you know put fingers into your vagina can be scary and yeah you no know, but it's a doctor and, you know, you don't, you don't feel much. You just, they just put the fingers in to make sure you can engage your pelvic floor to just feel what's happening inside. Um, yeah. It's not painful and, yeah. Yeah. And, and you can learn I, a lot. Absolutely. And I think on that, you know, for anyone listening that wants to see a pelvic health physio, if you go into an appointment and you feel like you don't mesh with someone, it's okay to say no to yeah. that internal examination and find somebody that you do feel more comfortable with. So totally, I, I, I want to empower women to, to know that they're in the right situation with the right person. And if they're not, it's like, you know what? Thanks for your time today. I'm just not feeling it today. I'm going to go mm. find someone that I am and be able to recognize the difference between slightly uncomfortable because you're apprehensive about something that you've never done before versus I've had trauma. Maybe this person's not experienced in trauma. I need to find somebody else. And that is absolutely okay. Yeah. And also what you can yeah. do first visit, you can do also um, the ultrasound first and then see what's happening, you know, how the ultrasound work out. And then the second visit you might do internal. It doesn't have to be on a first yeah. visit. First visit can be just like That's... meeting your physio and then doing ultrasound first. And then second visit, you might be like, okay, I'm, you know, yeah, you're more. ready. I know her more. I, I know. Yeah, I'm ready more. I really like that, Mags. Like, this is what a tangible tool someone can take away and go, you know what? I'm mm. not ready for an internal examination yet. Let's do real time ultrasound. Um, and then if I feel comfortable with you, I'm very happy to move to the next stage. But it's like a relationship. Well, it is yeah. a relationship and it's yeah. a very intimate relationship at the end of the day, even though it is a, a health professional. Okay, and a so, good physio and good physio actually is go going to know that. So they mm, they might even say, you know, today we can just do ultrasound if you don't feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Tell me then how you got from that to I don't know. What, so you did a course with Jenny Burrell. You're working with Heba. Um, then what? When did you launch your bit? Like what came next? Because I know when we met, you were still working in a job. Like, yeah, to give us the next bit of the timeline. 
So what I wanted to create, I wanted to create like a gap. I want to really to educate women about pelvic floor and what issues they can have about, you know, diastasis and stuff like that and, and prolapse. So what I what I created was six week client pelvic floor restore program. Mm-hmm. And I was working full time. So I was working four days a week. I dropped one day. So I was working three days a week. And one day a week, that was my day where I create the program and I run that program. But the program was for six weeks and it was just, you know, educating. It was, I couldn't run it again with the same women. It was just the education piece. Yes, there was exercise as well, but it was like, after that, move on. So, you know, you can't really make much money of that, can you? Well, it's a nice um, entry-level product or lead gen for something else. Yes. But then, so when I created it and started running programs and mom loved it, but I was like, well, I can't really make much money. So mm-hmm. I need something more. So then I thought, well, mums and babs classes in the park. And I remember there was an ad popped out on a Facebook page that you are looking for the trainers. Oh, I was like, I was there trying you to go. nail this down as to how, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, so I saw um, Facebook ad and then, yes, I contacted you. Mm-hmm. But you lived like, so was I looking for like, trainers on the North Shore at that time? Or was I looking for Centennial Park trainers? No, so it was general for trainers who wants to work with mums. Okay. So I think in head you already had, you know, about the franchise and you wanted to, because you had someone in Willoughby, you had someone in Willoughby running classes for you already. Right. Okay, cool. And then what? And then so we went up, we had a chat, and mm-hmm. I loved everything what you do, but I – didn't want to have franchise I wanted to have my own baby yeah you know what it's all coming back to me now so I remember (laughs) I had the license um the license handbook and we met a few times and I was talking to you about how it would work and all those things and we got to that last conversation and I I remember I'm pretty sure these were the words were Jen like I love what you do and I want to know what you know but I want to grow my own thing and I was like huh okay that's interesting. <laughs> and it was funny because I was also going through that period of that time with contractors. So there was a part of me that wanted to do this whole licensing, whether it was going to turn into a franchise thing or not. But I was also getting the shits with contractors. Um, and I was a little bit unsure that would licensees, not you, of course, would licensees be annoying as well like Mm. managing other people it's your thing Um, and I say that with love and you were the kind of person that I wanted to work with like you're driven to build your own thing Um, so that really got me thinking around how can I still work with you this person and more like you that are driven to create their own thing but not in the form of a license or franchise yeah you were the start of this whole thing Max your fault (laughs) (laughs) Good. So then what? We started mentoring, right? Yeah, so then we had a gap because you had a trainer in Willoughby. I started doing stuff in mm-hmm. Lane Cove, um, which was going to going very slow. And your trainer in Willoughby left, and then you contacted me um, saying with the offer, like, okay, you want to do oh, mentoring and take Willoughby, you, yeah, yeah, and take over the now. Willoughby position to yeah. uh, the Willoughby but location. Give it to you as your brand, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because you've got the leads. I've got already some, you know, mums who go to the uh, sessions. Do you want to take over that location? Um, and then we do mentoring together. I say yes. 
Awesome. That works so for me. It works for you. It's my thing. You, yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the mentoring. Was it fun? Like, what did you get from it? Not was it fun? Who cares if it was fun? But yeah. No, it was fun. No, I really enjoyed mentoring. And um, look, having someone who already done that before uh, and giving you advice when you can, like, I had no systems in my business. You know, I had no systems. Um, I knew how to run classes. I never run business before. Uh, but I had no system. So, yeah, having you actually, you know, drill the systems, all the excess spreadsheets and stuff, that was, yeah, that was very helpful. And it was fun. It was fun. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm glad it was fun for you as well. <laughs> I was a little bit scared at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, so what would you say to a, um, a new PT who's starting a business now, like that wants to either run a business in a park or in a gym or what would your top three tips be to a new trainer let's say uh, they want to specialize in working with mums because that's who we're talking to on this podcast yeah so definitely get someone find someone who already done it before you if it's mm. you know especially if the special i think yes someone who just knows how to run in business is great but i think moms are you know different niche as well and how to talk to moms um it's much better if you actually get someone who worked with moms before. Um, yeah, find cool. a good That's location. Find a good location because mm-hmm. not every location. And it's funny because Lankov, for instance, is very family orientated. There's heaps of gyms and heaps of Pilates studio and everything in Lankov. I was struggling to get moms into the park. But maybe that's why, because they prefer to go to... Um, you know, to the gym or to studio. Mm. Whereas when I moved to Willoughby, and yes, some of the mums were with you before, but I had even some of the mums from Lankov traveling to Willoughby, but most of my clients were from Willoughby, were different, even though, yeah, it's not even, is it how many, not even five kilometers away, but I think. And it's when you look, when you look difference. back at that, yeah, do you, can you pick out, like I had two, another two locations that I can clearly see like I didn't spend a lot in fact I don't even think I ever went to that Willoughby location um but I did run my sessions in Centennial Park and then we had Birch Grove and there was a very clear difference in Centennial Park was high traffic lots of young like lots of mums very visible location people would go to Centennial Park from like they drive half an hour, 45 minutes, because you can go to the park and you spend the whole day mm. there. And then Birch Grove was a beautiful location by the water, but you don't go to Birch Grove unless you need to go to Birch Grove. Like, so for me, it was very clear as to why one location worked better than the other. Do you have that insight around Lancove and Willoughby, or are you just like, I've not, got not no necessarily idea because, why this is going to work? Honestly, no, because for instance, <laughs> yes, I was in the park where there was a playground, but not every of my clients actually came from the playground and not that many to be fair actually came from the playground um there was another group uh of moms training as well at the same time twice a week when we were training so there were two groups of moms i know that down the road they had also um i'm showing with hands you know down the road uh, <laughs> Got it. um they had uh boot camps at the um, netball court so there was i wasn't the only one who was actually running boot camp from the boot camp and this was willoughby session yeah that was willoughby yeah right. uh, from the same location i wasn't the only one and i know other trainers who try to also kick off sessions at Lankov and it did not work out but the thing is if that location doesn't work out doesn't mean the other location won't work out so yeah. it's not necessarily don't give up. If something's going slow, don't just give up. 
maybe change the location and that location might be very very close in my next suburb like was with me was just next this suburb, is really much. good insight because so many people get frustrated with like why mm. is my business not working what's not what's not right i got a message from a trainer about 10 minutes before we jumped on actually but there's two things i took away from that one is don't be afraid to change something if it's not working and two if you're now saying to saying to us that training in Willoughby there's like another mums and bubs session there and a boot camp and a lot of people go oh I I don't want to be where other people are and it's like it's that's a perfect example of there's enough for everyone to go around yeah yeah Yeah. exactly totally um and a third tip if you want to work with mums you need to build a relationship with them as half easier yeah all over that shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Definitely. On that, Mags, oh, no, I was going to say, how did you intru- get introduced to Heber? But I know very much. Have you worked with, you've worked with other physios since then, though, haven't you? Yeah. How did you approach them? Because I know this is something trainers often get stuck on. Like, how do I approach a physio? What would you say? So Kiba was in, in the city and I was in Willoughby. How did you, did I start mm-hmm. working with Vanya? I don't know. I think you gave me maybe Vanya's details. I did meet with Vanya as well, so maybe yeah. I did. Yeah. So you gave yeah. me Vanya's details. Okay. But um, since then, yeah, I cool. work with other with other women's health physios as well. So some of them, for instance, it was my clients who actually went to see them, and I was like, "Who did you see?" And then I emailed them or my clients, seeing you, asking questions, um, and you know, can I refer other people to you? I like to meet with the women's health physio as well because. It's the same as, you know, mm-hmm. not every trainer is the same. Not every woman's health physio is going to be the same. And if I've got women's Absolutely. health physio, which I know that they only prescribe kegels and even tell train uh, women, you know, to stop doing certain things, I won't recommend that woman health physio to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so, <Like>, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. And these are all the the conversations that I want to have on this podcast. You know what? Sometimes we might upset people, but it's like Mm. if there's a physio, you know, the majority, I think the majority of pelvic health physios now, especially, especially the, the, newer ones I was going to say younger but I shouldn't say that either um like the newer physios coming through are very very pro exercise yeah um but if you've got if if a trainer is out there or if a mum is being told by a physio that no don't exercise don't move it's like that's the complete opposite of what the message that we want to get out there Mm. so you know go to the mum safe website put your location and see if you can find a physio if you can't send us a message reach out to mags do whatever you need to do to find that person that will support you on your movement journey because a prolapse is not the end of the road and nor is anything else we just got to figure out how to work with you and how to you know help you to create the outcome that you want to create in the most effective way for you and um, don't afraid to ask for second opinion. You can go to two different women's health mm-hmm. physios. If you don't like the first opinion, go see someone else. Someone else might have different experience, different qualification, no different stuff. So, you know, it's okay to ask for second opinion as well. You're not cheating on your physio. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. So you were running Mums and Bubs group exercise in Willoughby for how yep. long? Oh, so I started, so to find probably started in 2015 and then COVID happened. So five years. Wow. Over five years. Cool. Okay. So mums and bubs in the park, COVID happened. What did you do when COVID hit? Uh, we moved online. Thanks mm-hmm. to you. 
<laughs> thanks to being the mom's <laughs> um, affiliate group. Uh, so we moved all online at the start. I loved it. Yeah. Um, and I think the first time, actually the first lockdown, I didn't mind it. I actually did like it. It was easy. It was easy for moms as well. And then when we went back to park after the first lockdowns, because I had nannies looking after the baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. Many moms were scared to bring babies. And or if the baby has sniffle, they couldn't bring it. So they left it with partner. There was lots of partners working from home as well. So they would just leave the baby with the partner when they come to the park. And I still had two nannies and I had to pay for them. And it just wasn't working out that great so after yeah. the first lockdown um the, the second uh, the second lockdown i didn't enjoy the online classes that much anymore and um i told them after the second lockdown that i won't be having nannies because i don't want to have the same issues after i had a first lockdown and then many moms been like oh i'll come on saturdays and then no one wanted to train during the week because all they, they had nannies before they didn't want it to have that taken away and then I was like, look, I think it's time to get out of the park because that's not what I wanted to do, really. I wanted always mm-hmm. to have my own studio and, you know, my own business, like, in an indoor. Um, and I got out of the park. And I work in the gym now. So that's brave, right? So you yeah. went from, you know, and I know a lot of businesses changed during COVID, but you could have gone back to the park. You could have had the same model. You could have moved through all of those things. Uh, and I have no doubt that if you decided to do that, you would have been incredibly successful doing it. But there was something in you that wasn't feeling uh, fulfilled by the way that you were doing that anymore. And I yeah. actually remember some backwards and forwards of messages. And it's like, you know, what am I going to do? Or not not you saying, what am I going to do? But it's like, what is the next step? Like I don't, mm. yeah. Um, so then you told all your mums that you weren't, going to do that anymore how was that uh look they were disappointed but they also kind of understood I mean they understood the, the nanny mm. situation so that was the, the main yeah. reason if you know if they said yeah we're going to go back without the nannies it, I probably would bend back but because they said they wanted nannies I'm like well I don't want to deal with nannies anymore because Everyone's cancelling. The nannies are expenses, expensive, especially when you want a good nannies. And I wanted to have good nannies, the nannies I can count on. And if I can count on them, they need to be able to count on me. So I can't just cancel them last minute because I don't have enough arms. So it was just basically, yeah. Yeah, I think this is a good time to kind of throw in for those trainers that are listening around costs and expenses and stuff like that in your business. So we also had nannies in Centennial Park when I was running Body Beyond Baby and you have to be watching your finances and you have to make sure that you know the money coming in and you know the money coming out. Um, And those nannies have to be paid on the books, not in cash, because they are the biggest or one of the biggest, probably the biggest, actually, if you're a trainer working outside with no overheads, uh, the nannies, the childcare is the biggest expense you will have in your business. So, and also obviously your insurance goes up when you've got a contractor working for you. So you need to make sure that you're paying the right level insurance, you're paying your nannies on the books, they're sending you an invoice and you can afford them because otherwise you end up in a dumbass situation like me where you're paying everyone else and you have no money left at the end of the year which feels a bit shit but um okay so we've moved out of the park we're not with the nannies anymore what are we doing uh so first uh, i created online 
online course, 12 big online course. So I started mm-hmm. doing that online training, which I really enjoyed. Um, but there's lots of, you know, online, if everyone thinks online is so easy, it's not that easy because there's more competition and, you know, you don't have this conversation. Like in the park, you can have conversation with women and people, even though it was locked down, not everyone is used to training online. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to work at the gym, which is next door to my son's school. So very convenient, um, which got crashed. So there are lots of months as well, but it also opens me to different ages. And that's what I also love working with older women and really women at any age and trying to help them to get strong and fit and capable and confident. Um, so, yeah, that's open possibilities to working with more diverse um, women, not just new moms. Which is interesting, right? Because we say niche down, niche now, niche down. And you were like, no, I want to do, like, I want to widen. But do you think that you have a niche within that? Like, there's a certain type of woman, no matter what her age, is your type of woman. Do you want to yeah, share and, us more about that? I mean, yeah. most of my clients are mums anyway. So I specialize in training mums. I still say specialize in training mums. Um, I, don't, I don't even know if at the moment I have someone who is not a mum. No, well, that I, says it all, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're still moms. It's just one you postnatal, you always postnatal. Many women, you know, especially if they have kids 20 years ago, they might not know they have a pelvic floor issues till they start yeah. working with you. They might not know how to engage the core. I've I've had clients who've been doing Pilates classes for I don't know how long. I had no idea how to engage the core. So let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> let's piss off the Pilates people for a minute. <laughs> What's with that? Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm Pilates qualified as well, so am I. by the way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I love Pilates people. Like, that was a very big, like, I yeah. love Pilates done well. Like, I love yoga done well. Like, I love CrossFit done well. But like, tell me about the Pilates not done super well. Um, so pe- what really annoys me when I, for instance, when you go on Facebook pages, mom Facebook pages, and someone's asking, you know, I had a baby, what do I do? And everyone says, go into Pilates class. Not everyone who, not every Pilates instructor is going to know how to work with moms. This first thing. I even, I had qualification how to work with moms. I run Pilates classes. And if I had just one mom there, new mom, I had to change every, like more of the, most of the core exercises for her. Because when you've got a Pilates class, nothing stays basics. It's very generic. And you've got people who want to work harder, who want to work um, you know, less hard, who not as advanced, but for new mom who doesn't know how to engage pelvic floor, who doesn't know how to uh, engage their core muscles, they need to learn from, they need to start from basics. And if they are on the floor for 30 minutes, first 30 minutes of the class doing core, they're just yeah. going to be very, very bored. Um, so no, Pilates is not for, for everyone, not, not for new moms, unless it's a postnatal Pilates, and a, unless instructors know how to tra- train new moms. Then yes, but going just to the generic class, Pilates class, because I had a baby, is not a great idea. And if you do not know how to actually engage your pelvic, so you're going to make more harm than good. Yeah, and I guess if we dive a little bit deeper into that, like if you think about what happens when people brace their abdominal wall, like external, so they're doing external oblique, rectus, maybe internal oblique, and they're, you know, they've spent their whole life sucking in so they're now bracing their core if you have a weak pelvic floor that intra-abdominal pressure is going down through your pelvic floor 
And that's what Mags is talking about when she's saying, if you don't know how to activate your pelvic floor, that's what's happening. Or maybe their abdominal's domey if they've got abdominal separation mm. or, you know, all of these things. Um, and I think what you said there was really good. Like if you know, if you have someone who knows how to adapt, who knows how to teach, it's a great environment for a new mum, but it's not, no environment is good for a new mum or any mum that's never been taught that stuff. Um, and even for me as a, po a postnatal trainer, when I had a new mum, I had to like, with a first, when the mum came to my class first time, I was hands on on her tummy. So then mm. when I had someone coming to my Pilates class, when everyone else was doing other exercises, I was trying to have my hands on her tummy as well to make sure, you know, she's doing the right thing. And it's so much harder when you've got people on another level. Yeah. Yes. And it's not fair, it's not fair to her, and it's not fair to them either. Yeah, there needs to be a level of education before they get into the room, right? So I think I I pride our ourselves as you know a lot of our mum safe trainers especially the really experienced ones or what we try and do is offer as individualized a session as possible inside of a group environment it's it's our superpower right mm. um but if you don't know how to do that it is very hard and if your clients have not been given the basics on how to do a pelvic floor activation ta do they have abdominal separation do they have pelvic floor symptoms? Are they aware of what we're looking out for? Then it's very hard to offer those adaptions inside a group training environment, which again is where a pelvic health physio comes in, right? Make sure yeah. at minimum, if you're listening to this and you run classes for big numbers of mums and you don't know who they've seen and what, what's going on, get anyone that's a mum, if your message to that class is, hey, I think it'd be a really great idea if you saw a pelvic health physio. That's like taking responsibility for the people in your room, in the room. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes. Okay. So you're running your online program, working with mums of lots of different ages and stages inside the gym. Um, if you could wave your magic wand, Max, and change anything about the fitness industry and how we do things, what would it be? Or and in, specifically in the space of mums. More education and making sure every trainer is trained how to educate how to train moms because we are not special population. We are not, mm -hmm. even though we are being called special populations, we're actually not. Well, anymore. we're not because we're a mass number of yes, people. Yes, exactly. We are a yeah. special population in the definition of special population. So now I'm questioning myself in that maybe if we're calling mums a special population because we are 42.7% of the amount of people that walk through the doors of a gym, that means that men are actually less of a population than there are women going into the gym. So really men should be the special population and everything should be tailored around a woman's body. Like, yeah, fuck, that seems so point. simple. Yeah. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Definitely, right, we gotta, yeah. we got to reframe this in the marketplace. Hey, Mags, um, what I did want to just go back to, if it's okay with you, is yep. you talked right at the beginning about get your pre-baby body back. Oh, yeah. Now, tell me <laughs> where you sit on that now. <laughs> uh, you can't get your pre-baby body back your body has changed that doesn't mean it's worse that doesn't mean it's better but it's it's changed and the changes are you can't take those changes back 
Um, mm. And you have to work with what you had. You just had to get used to your new body. And it's going to work, especially if you've got pelvic floor issues, if you've got abdominal separation, it's going to be working differently. I'm not talking about stretch marks. I'm not talking about body fat, but uh, internal changes. So it's not about getting pre-body back. Yes, you want to be, be strong. You want to be confident. You want to be capable. Running after kids, it's not easy. You want to make sure you've got muscle mass for all when you get older. You want to be able to be capable to, you know, run under your grand, after your grandkids. It's not about getting your pre-baby body back anymore. Um, you can't get it back. Well, I mean, you look pretty good on a daily basis, I have to say. So, what is that? and I say that from an aesthetic perspective, like whenever we catch up, I'm like, yeah, Mags looks good. Um, but how do you get over the change in the way your body looks externally even if you know that you can't change the internal stuff so it's so i think so for me my body image journey has been very very long because this is how i got into fitness industry mm. you know trying to be smaller small, yeah. trying to be smaller at the moment trying to get bigger and i struggle with that yeah um but when i another blessing in disguise with my prolapse was that that's when i kind of was oh it doesn't matter how I look like. Because I looked, if you look at me, I had a six pack. I was the fittest I've ever been when I found out about my prolapse. Yeah. So you would look at me. I was like, oh, my God, she's, she looks good. Um, you know, but, yeah, my pelvic floor organs were trying, to, you know, falling out of my vagina. So that was not healthy. Um, my core wasn't strong. My pelvic floor wasn't strong. So that's when I kind of was like, hmm. It's not about how my body looks like. It's how functional I am, what I can do, what I'm capable of. Yeah, our industry's got a lot to answer for, doesn't it? Because, that, mm. you know, that image of what fitness or the perfect body or the pre-baby body or whatever you want to call it is just messes with our heads so much as women. And there's so many women who would tell you that, you know, I don't care if I've got a prolapse. I want it to look certain way. Yeah. That's tough. Mm. And I even remember at the first, uh, first when I found out about prolapse, I was like, I'm not changing anything. I just, I'm the fittest. I'm the strongest. Like if I stop doing what I'm doing now, I'm, I'm just going to put on weight on. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to lose my body. But then I was like, shit, do I want my pelvic floor organs to fall out? Mm, that's not that good scenario. So maybe I need to change the way I think. It's such a dichotomy, isn't it? Because even though we say, we talk over and over again about the fact that we need to listen to our bodies and all of those things. Yeah, so especially for women of our kind of age, and I think you're a similar age to me. So I'm 42, you're similar? Yep, yep. Yeah, and so we grew up in that size zero culture. So we've got ingrained into our brain that smaller is better. And it's all we saw. Like I, I love now on social media where we are seeing different shapes. That's one. So social media is shit, right? Yeah. From one perspective. But on another perspective, we only got fed to us what we saw in a magazine. Yeah, magazine we only TV. got Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton in a magazine telling us how smaller was better and it wasn't until social media came along and fed us more about that but then started to evolve into now seeing yep. like different body shapes yes definitely i actually think that um women older than us are even worse than us 
I have to say, when I started working with older women and I've got women who are 70 years old and they're like, I don't want to put, put on weight and they're trying to lose weight and they totally, they're very, very small. And I'm like, you losing muscle. And at that age, the, one of the most important part is your muscle. And they don't want to eat yeah. certain things because they think I don't want to put weight on. I think you're right. I can think of two women, older mm. women in my life that fit that category definitely. Yeah. Yes. But that's now, what we've been fed. And like our generation, they are on social media. So they're kind of seeing more of that. But when you are 70 and you're not seeing, you know, the body diversity, that's even harder. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. With the food stuff, because I know that you're going down, like you're doing nutrition and, and I, again, can say that I don't even know how to eat sometimes and I eat pretty well. I eat too much sugar. I know that, but I'm almost in this headspace now of, so I've done the whole 49 kilos when I got married, no carbohydrates will ever enter my mouth to now going, I don't obsess about food. I eat what I enjoy. Uh, I probably eat too much of what I enjoy sometimes, but I'm, I have this fear of if I stop eating the things I enjoy, then it becomes a problem again. So how do you sort that shit out? Like, yeah, the mindset, <laughs> mindset around nutrition and our body is the, the hardest. It is the hardest part. Um, and it is look being in a situation like you're actually enjoying a bit too much, then not enjoying it at all it's probably better but it is not healthy mindset and being kind mm. of scared or if i stop eating it then i'll go the other way um yeah. so look it it is that's the hardest what would you say to me if i was your client because you do some of this stuff right yeah i do <laughs> show us your nutrition bit now <laughs> <laughs> uh if you were my client look i will First thing, I would make sure you're eating enough proteins and that's what I would be focusing on. Mm -hmm. And if you feel guilty about eating certain stuff, why you feel guilty and taking, taking notes and journal about it as well. And that might help you to go deeper into actually inside your head. And if you, for instance, want to eat certain thing because you're afraid of eating it, is that the only reason? What if you want to eat it though this time? No, I, I don't happen? have a problem with eating the things anymore. <laughs> That's not my problem. My problem is if I start restricting myself, mm. will I go back to the other way? But why is it restricting or is it just stopping eating for oh. health reasons? Why, why do you think you restrict? It's the same one, for instance, so I teach a lot of about calories and proteins and not necessarily macros. And often people say, but if I count calories, restrict was like, but how do you, why, why are you restricting if I, for instance, asking you just to check how much you're eating? Because you might be eating too little. And that's it's often what happens to women. I just want you to, for instance, track your calories so you know how much you eat. And then if you, for instance, doing all that activity and you're not eating enough, but you're trying to lose weight, for instance, you can't lose weight because you're not eating enough. So you're in a vicious <laughs> cycle. But it just is that mindset. But if I track, I'm restricted. But why are you restricted? Yeah, it's just what if fact, you actually right? need just... to increase eating? I love that. 
it's like because it is like and I struggle with this too like with with trainers and people saying we're not going to weigh people we're not going to track anything and there's part of me that says that this is a really really positive thing and then there's another part of me that says well why is it bad and I think you've just kind of relayed it back to me and going it's not bad it's what you then it's information it's what you then do with that information makes yes. it good or bad and yeah I'm not good and bad shit anyway but ideal or not ideal yeah and the same with people who for instance don't want to weigh themselves because they don't like the number but why do you don't like the number what does it say what if you start for instance weighing yourself every day and you actually see that the number fluctuates every day the number fluctuates when you get your period the number fluctuates if you have a big weekend out well, it's not about number. It's about how you feel about the number. It's about the feeling. It's not about the number itself. And it's just data, right? I was talking yeah. to someone this morning about sleep. And it's like, I've got all these numbers on my phone now about my sleep data. I don't feel good or bad about them because society's never told me to feel good or bad about them. They're just a fucking number. <laughs> yes, exactly. <sighs> this is a whole nother podcast mm. episode. Um Thank you for going down that road with me. That was cool. Oh, and I pleasure. think there'll be a lot of women listening that can, mums especially, that can relate to a lot of what you just said. Mm. That's made me start to think a little bit more. Um, just to start to wrap us up, Mags, like if there's a mum listening that, yeah, that, that is looking for a trainer and doesn't know where to start or doesn't know the right questions to ask a trainer to find the right one for her, what would you say to her? Um first thing well if you're not sure where to find a trainer go to mindset trainer website and look oh for my a god trainer. i did not mean that to be <laughs> but if not if but there's well no done. trainer well played but if there is no mindset <laughs> trainer in your area the question to ask the trainer what qualifications they have um mm-hmm. even if they're mom because there are trainers who think you know i'm mom i'm a mom i'm i've had two kids and i had no issues so i can train you uh, if they if they're a mom, what qualifications they have? Are they working with women's health physio? Uh, there there would be two main questions to ask. And if no one, if you've got a, if you've seen a trainer who not asking you a question about your uh, birth history, how did you give birth? Were there any issues? Have you got any pelvic floor issues? If they're not asking those questions, they're not the right trainer for mom. Yeah, nice. And then if you're talking to a trainer that wants to get, I guess, get, grow their business. Oh, no, let's do a different direction because I don't want you to just say mum safe. That's not the, the whole point. That is running a business that is not fulfilling them right now. What would you say to that person? What do you want to do? What brings you passion? So, for instance, when we went, when we went, go back to, you know, I wanted to help moms to keep, feel confident and strong, train smart and not harder. But even if I didn't know about prolapse, if I didn't have prolapse, I would be doing it very dangerous way. So I came back in a cycle and I work now with women, not only new moms, but I'm helping women to feel confident and strong in their bodies. I went back to that, my first, what I wanted to do, just with more knowledge and more experience. And now I, I know it. I can help women. Yeah, and don't be afraid to make a change if that's don't what you need to do. Don't be afraid to make a change, yeah. Like, for instance, I remember when I first made a change. 
and I saw in our mom safe group all the trainers successing with you know moms in the park and their groups and and I, I was like did I make the wrong decision did I make the wrong decision and then I was like but that's not what I want to do mm-hmm. that shiny that shiny thing on the other side it looks shiny but it's not what I want to do it's only shiny if it's your kind of shine yeah <laughs> exactly Tell us, Mads, if someone's been listening, they want to find out, you know, what to work, they can work with you online, which is awesome. Um, tell us where they can find you. Uh, they can find me on Facebook and Instagram under Magdalena Holly, or they can find me on my website, www.magdalenaholly.com.com. Awesome. <laughs> I don't even know my email address. Um, and tell us just a little snapshot of the kind of offerings that you put out into the world. So, so I how do can work, they work with you? I work with clients online. So I've got 12-week online coaching program where we cover exercise, both exercise and nutrition. Um, and I work also face-to-face from gym and Lankov. So if you're local, you can work with me uh, at the gym. And I also do very small amount of uh, mobile training. So I actually go to see my clients in their homes. Um, Amazing. But that's very, very limited. So if you Cool. And she comes highly recommended. Mags, I want to say, thank, take this opportunity to say thank you, one, for your time and energy today. We've gone all into all these different directions. I had a bunch of questions and then it's been like, oh, this is cool. And mm-hmm. also because you have really shaped what MumSafe is today. And had you not, there's a couple of key people along my journey that have said, oh, but what about this? Or, you know, I've listened to them say something. Molly Galbraith is, is one of them and, and you were, came kind of before Molly um, in saying, I want to know what you know and do what you do, but I don't, I want to do my own thing. And I'm just so fucking excited that we're still in each other's orbit. And we're I still know. working. You're still part of Mum Safe. Like, how cool is that? Like, you were. It was Body Beyond Baby Affiliate, and then you've watched the evolution. And yeah, massive thank you for being part of the journey, for shaping the journey, and yeah, for all the amazing work that you do in the space of working with with women and mums. I love it. I appreciate oh, you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, and I'm really glad to be still here and be the part of the journey and be the the first trainer. I'm going to send you like a badge or something. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Max, have a beautiful rest of your afternoon. Thank you. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for being with us for this episode today. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure to have one more conversation that takes us closer to our goal of safe and effective exercise for all women at every stage of motherhood. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please make sure you hit follow wherever you listen to your podcast and rate and review so more people can join us next time. For further information about anything we've talked about in this episode, head to jendugard.com forward slash podcast. And if you want to connect with me in person, I would love to hear from you over at my Instagram at jendugard. Thank you for your voice in this space. Have a beautiful day.